sins away. Oh, say much I'm glad. From the international headquarters of the Sword of the Lord Publishers and Ministries here in downtown Murfreesboro, Tennessee, this is Making a Difference, and I'm Dr. Shelton Smith. What a joy it is today to welcome you. It's Monday, and we've got a big week in front of us, and I'm glad that you've joined us today. We're going to be beginning a brand new series of thoughts and messages that I hope will be a help to you, and I believe they will. We're going to be looking this week, and maybe even beyond this week, to some people in the Bible who said yes to God when he called, saying yes to God when he called. I think you'll find this helpful. Today, we're going to be looking at the man named Noah, and I'll have some things to share with you in just a moment. Let me remind you that today and tomorrow, I'm talking about October 7 and 8, I'm at the Bible Baptist Church in Grove City, Ohio. That's in the greater Columbus area, and uh, we look forward to seeing our friends there. And I trust that many of you who live there in the greater Columbus, Ohio area will join us tonight or tomorrow night, and we will look forward to having you with us. Also, the men's conference is coming up this week, finally. I've announced it a number of times here. I know you've heard the announcement many times, but it's coming Friday night, starting at 6 o'clock. That's November the 11th, and continuing on Saturday until 1 o'clock in the afternoon. We're going to have a great time with it, guys, and if you're not registered, call today. Get online at thesortofthelord.com, and the details are right there for you. So we look forward to seeing you. So now let's look today at this study about the man named Noah. In the New Testament, we're told in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, in that great roll call of the faithful, by faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Now, that tells us a lot about Noah. It tells us that he is a good man, a godly man, and he walks with God. In fact, another passage in the New Testament, 2 Peter chapter number 2 and verse 5, calls him a preacher of righteousness. Now, we remember Noah because of the ark. We remember him because of all of the things that went on in relation to the flood. But we have the reason to believe here and an understanding of the character and the testimony of Noah. And uh, listen, God used him in a great way. And I think I can demonstrate to you here that it was because he said yes. And by the way, he did not live in a time when everybody was standing in line to say yes. He lived in a time when a lot of people were doing anything but the right thing. For example, when we turn back to Genesis, where the story of Noah is recorded in detail, Genesis 6, 7, 8, and 9. In chapter 6, the Bible tells us that uh, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, a lot of strange things began to happen. And uh, verse number 5 of that chapter says that God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. That is Noah's generation. Those are the people around whom he was living. And uh, listen, he was saying yes to God, as we'll demonstrate here momentarily, but there were all kinds of people 
who were not saying yes to God. And whenever Noah did what he was supposed to do, when he did right, when he said yes, I don't have any doubt that he totally faced a lot of scorn. He faced a lot of mocking. He faced a lot of people who just outright laughed at him because of what he said and because of his testimony. Verses 11 and 12 in that chapter say that the earth was corrupt before God and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth and behold, it was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. Notice that they had corrupted his way. That is, instead of following the Lord, they followed their own thoughts. They followed their own desires. They did not listen to God like they should. And the result was that uh, the whole earth corrupted. I mean, everything malfunctioned. Everything went sour. And uh, the Lord looked down on that, and he was not pleased at all. And thus, judgment came. Verses 6 and 7, there in that sixth chapter, says, It repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth. And it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, the creeping thing, the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. That has to be some of the saddest words that I've ever read. Certainly some of the saddest words in all of the Bible. But here is the good news. Verse number eight of that sixth chapter begins by saying, but Noah... We had all of this corruption going on. Everything had turned sour, but Noah. But what's the testimony there? It says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Well, why did Noah find grace in the eyes of the Lord? Wasn't he like all of the rest? No, the Bible tells us in verse 9 that Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. So three things are said about him there. A just man. That means he's in right relationship with the Lord. That means, if you use the term the way it's employed, especially in the New Testament, it just means he's saved. It means he has made a deliberate choice to embrace the Lord. And not only that, but the Bible uses the term perfect here in his generations. And that word, of course, has the idea of maturity, full blossom, full bloom. It doesn't mean that he was sinless, but it does mean that he was walking with the Lord. And the Bible says that he was walking with God. And for that reason, he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. That just simply means that because he walked with God, because he was maturing like a man should mature, he was following the Lord and all those things. He was saying yes to the Lord. Well, then we get to verses 14 and 15 in that sixth chapter. And the Lord said to him, make an ark. And he gives them the idea. He gives him the instructions. He gives him all kinds of dimensions about how the ark is to be done. But verse 14, there's a definite instructive command that says, make thee an ark. That is, you're going to make the ark. It's going to be for you. You're going to need this. And now this is all happening in a very unreal way in the eyes of Noah. He doesn't know anything about rain because it's never rained at this point. He doesn't know anything about a flood. There's never been one before. He doesn't know anything about an ark. Nobody's ever seen anything like this. So this is a very unreal, unheard of type thing. But yet Noah is undeterred. You say, why is he so zealous to press forward with this? Because he's listening to the Lord. 
He's letting the Lord give him directives. He is listening very clearly and very carefully to what the Lord says. And as he begins to follow these instructions, this doesn't happen in a year. It doesn't happen in a decade. It is literally decade after decade in getting done. And for 120 years, Noah is unrelenting. He is absolutely on target own message. He is following the Lord, the details that he's been given. I mean, he is relentless in what he's doing. In fact, verse 22 says, thus did Noah, according to all that God commanded him, so did he. Now, let me just say it again. He says yes to God, and he keeps saying yes to God. Year after year, decade after decade, through all of the years, until this great mammoth project was completed. He had the help of his three sons, his wife, and the three daughter-in-laws, but there's no indication that anybody else pitched in at all. Nobody helped at all. The fact is, he had this all on himself, and for all of those years, he faithfully followed exactly what the Lord had told him to do. Now, the loading of the ark comes next in chapter 7. Back chapter 7, verse 1, the Lord said to Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark. So he's told to get in. The thing has been constructed. The uh, animals are to be loaded as well, and his family's coming in. And once again, verse 5 of chapter 7 says, And Noah did according unto all that the Lord commanded him. And once again, let me just say it. He's saying yes to God. He is listening. He is taking instruction, and he is saying yes in whatever God orders him to do. And by the way, you see down in that chapter that these animals, as well as the family of Noah, verse number 16 says, they went in, male and female of all flesh, as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. That is, he did exactly what the Lord told him to do in getting male and female. You notice that? Does that ring a bell these days that we need to understand that of all the species, I mean, whether you're talking about cattle or horses or pigs or birds, whatever, they're male and they're female. And the same thing is true about the human race, male and female. That is laid out very clearly here. And that's all that he took on the ark. You might say, well, why didn't he take some other genders on the ark? Well, there weren't any, just like there aren't any now. And so he did exactly what the Lord told him to do. And uh, when it comes down to it, the last part of that seventh chapter, verse number 23 says that when everything had cleared up after the flood, all the rain came, the flood and all of that, only Noah remained alive and they that were with him in the ark. Noah, his wife, those three boys and the three daughter-in-laws, those eight people, they were the only ones left alive after that mammoth flood took place. And by the way, Whenever you travel across America, you travel across Europe, you travel across Asia, there's all kinds of indications in the fossil record. There's all kinds of indications, I mean, on mountaintops and down in deep valleys and everywhere about the authenticity of what the Bible lays out here when it tells us about this great flood. And in the midst of that flooding and in the midst of a generation that had totally turned against God, Noah and his family shine like stars. I mean, they shine like a bright, shining star in the darkness. They are something else to be honored. There's something else that we just rejoice to see what they did. And the Lord used them in the preserving of the human race. So we need to understand when the Lord 
spoke to Noah, and Noah said yes to the Lord. The result of him saying yes, he survived and he thrived. There was a day coming after the ark. There was a day coming after the flood, and that was something that Noah and his family had exclusive privilege to because everybody else on the earth up to that point, they died. They died in the flood. They did not have an ark. They did not have a way to escape. And so we say today how important it is that we see the story and the message of Noah and know that when he said yes to the Lord, he did well. Now, when you read chapter 9 of Genesis, we see that in later years, there was a blotch on his record. Sad but true, he made a misstep in old age. But the point I'm making here today is Noah, for the greatest portion of his life, lived by saying yes to God, honoring the Lord, and he teaches us something here. Saying yes is always the right step. And you and I need to learn that from Noah and say yes to him every time the Lord speaks to us about something. Whenever we are nudged by the Spirit of God, we ought to always say yes and follow up on that with just yes after yes after yes. We'll do well if we do. Now, we're going to talk about some other men and ladies in the next few days here who also said yes to God. I think these will be good case studies for us. Do write me a note. Let me know that you hear the broadcast. Write to me, Dr. Shelton Smith, at P.O. Box 1099, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, 37133. The email address is radio at swordofthelord.com. Well, until tomorrow, God bless you. Have a good rest of the day, and goodbye for now.